In the cool room tonight, we have a special episode entitled "What Part of the Cool Room Is That, and Why Is It Over There?" Um, it's June the first of two thousand and twenty, about six thirty p.m. Uh, an important date and day in Melbourne pub culture because this is the first day that we're allowed to be uh, serving beer again in Melbourne after the COVID lockdown. And yet here I am online with my good friend, Travis, rather than serving beers at the Royal Mail Hotel on Spencer. Hello, Hello David. How are you today, my friend? I'm, I'm okay. It sounds like uh, you've had a fun one. Yeah, well, it certainly hasn't gone to plan. I think that's a, a fair statement. We'll, um, we'll obviously go into more detail about all sorts of things uh, June the 1st, 2020, as we go along. But the long and the short of it is that when I got to the pub today, the cool room itself, the physical cool room was at 32 degrees and the flywheel that drives the uh, compressors was lying next to the compressors rather than attached on the little rod that's supposed to make it sit there. So I no longer have the cool room. 32 degrees on the first day of winter here in Australia. Yeah. Uh, That's unheard of. Yeah, it's well, 32 degrees C inside, and I think it's fair to say that it was about, it got to about nine degrees C in Melbourne today. Yeah, we kept checking the temperature today and it barely got past 10 degrees. Yeah, it was a, a, a bitterly cold day today, but would have been lovely inside next to the fire at the pub had, um, had the beer been cold and the food been hot. Yeah, you sent me a photo earlier of uh, what I assumed was a fan. It turned mm. out that, uh, that that was not part of a fan. No, no, I mean, it's, it's all linked together. But if you think of the big wheel that drives the little, that, you know, comes off the, off the motor that then drives everything else to do with the compressors, that was what you were looking at. Um, it's a serious bit of kit. And once that had literally sheared off, it's not sort of attached with a bolt or anything, it's sheared off the rod that sort of holds it in um that's the end of that i kind of feel like you're lucky that there was no one actually there at the time um or standing nearby at the time yeah none of the belts or anything went anywhere too far like it's designed to have guards and things around it to stop that getting too hairy but you know once you've got a failure of sort of that size you never know what will have happened so what time of the day was that in comparison to what time you were supposed to open? Uh, well, sort of I'd gone in and done the bulk of the cleaning over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday just so that I wouldn't be, you know, smelling of chemicals and hot and steamy today being Monday. Uh, so I'd sort of rocked in at about three o'clock, a few hours before sort of service time to sort of give everything another once over and be ready to rock and roll. And that's when the problem was discovered. Mm. And so, uh, you know, this is really my therapy session now with Travis. So you're all welcome to sort of, you know, join in the therapy that that is. But right back for those of you who've sort of joined the cool room as we've gone along, and it's fantastic that you have, and rate and review us on your 
you know, your iTunes or wherever else you grab us and follow us on social media or all that kind of good stuff. But sort of back in the day when the Core Room podcast was first set up, it was all designed to be about, you know, an insider's view of what running a pub or working in hospitality was like rather than perhaps the the fun idea that everyone sort of thinks of, gee, it'd be great just to order whatever beer you wanted and have a great time with your mates. Um, and called the call room because every place I've ever worked, it's been the call room that's been the strategic point of failure in the organisation. So it just sort of felt like an appropriate day to um, pick up the main thread of the podcast. Ah, uh, we've come full circle. Mm. Unlike the flywheel, which no longer goes full oh, yes. circle. Yeah. Um, perhaps when we when we do put this episode up, we need to also include a photo of the flywheel just so people can I think that's only reasonable, visualize yeah. what we're actually talking about. Um, I feel like we might mount it on the wall of the pub or something, you know, later on. It's not a silly idea. It actually looked like it was something. I was actually going to make a joke when you sent me the photo um, asking if you'd travelled back in time because it looked like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it looked like something from about 50 years ago. Look, idiot, look, if you've never sort of seen them, they're big, heavy wheels. It's sort of hard to get an impression of just sort of how big and clonky it really is. Like mm. one man can lift it, but it's not comfortable to lift it. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of, that kind of thing. <sighs> well, that's not how you wanted to spend June 1st, 2020, obviously. Um, is there any, uh, any idea when the actual cool room will be back to being operational? No, I've got the good people of the refrigeration company coming out to look at it tomorrow. And I guess there's a, a more fundamental question that needs to be asked and answered as well as to whether rebuilding the cool room and the money that would be spent on that, including regassing the entire system, because that will have all leaked out as a result of this. Um, whether that's worthwhile or whether we just go over to running things out of fridges and because it was a big old cool room and not the most efficient of things. It was. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's, um, it, it had been around for a long time. Yeah. It reminds, it was literally, I think the same style of cool room that they used to have at the bowls club. The only difference being that at the bowls club, it was mounted underneath a wooden floor in the main bar so that when the cool room kicked in, all the balls on the pool table would start to roll around, which was a great advantage if you're a local and you had a rough idea of the cycles of the cool room. It could be quite distracting for um, for non-bowls club members. That would be an interesting sight to see, actually. Um, just instantly kicking in and all your balls go yep. elsewhere. Yeah, it was... I mean, I'm sure it made sense when they did it, but it was, like, literally installed under a wooden floor... Sort of in, in the cellar, but you know, underneath yeah. where everyone sat. And it was, as all of these cool rooms are, the ancient ones, loud as buggery. So, I worked at a, um, and this is going back a long time, this is when I was like 18, 19. I worked in a, in a, in a club type environment that had pokies in Warrigal. And the cool room was underneath where the pokies were. Yep. So you get people coming in early morning and doing their regular, I'm going to put money into a pokey machine and then everything would come on when the bar opened <laughs> and the call room would kick in and everyone would be looking around like there was about to be an earthquake. It was yeah, one of the most entertaining things there. Yeah. That's very much the same style of, of system that we're talking about here. They're amazingly old-fashioned and old-school um, and the noise they make is 
is so loud. So what happens if they turn around and say, um, not worth fixing or not worth fixing at the moment? Mm. Um, or, you know, fixing but potentially might happen again and kill someone. What's your next step? That's a good, that's a really good question. And partly it depends on me going through my insurance documentation, which is what you've very uh, unreasonably taken me away from doing right now. It's probably actually very healthy for me that we're having this conversation rather than me going through the fine print of insurance documentation. Um, so getting that, and then also just having a look at the price of what a couple of underbar, you know, keg systems might be. Um, and just sort of, you know, what we could do to, to scrape by in the absence of um, an enormous cool room. I know of a little, um, a little brewery place in Yarraville that's opening their doors again this week that uh, might be able to assist you with an underbar. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Um, yes, potentially. I know of other bars that are purchased from there. So, um, Well, for better or worse, we're sort of segueing into a completely different point here, but um, there I might be a whole lot of pubs out. selling off yes, know, but, bar yeah. units and yep. things at the moment. So, um, yeah, I know quite a couple of places that have purchased their their underbar keg system from from grain and grape in in Yarraville, and um, potentially if we keep giving them a shout out on the podcast, they might give you a discount. We might be very much in uh, in need of one of those, but of course, then the question becomes: you know, how much are you refitting? And you know, in mid two thousand and twenty, it becomes very difficult to decide how much investment is wise at the moment, you know, in the same way that there is a whole lot of places selling off their stuff and shutting down. It'd be a pretty brave decision to, to go the opposite way, but with a whole lot of well-earned dollars at the moment. Um, you, uh, you still have a tap of a particular CUB beer in the pub also. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yep. So you could, uh, you could have maybe approached those guys and say, I want to put a tank in, like seems to be all the rage at the moment. It does seem to be what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. It's, um, I had to go into a pub in St Kilda today because they wanted to organise some staging to create a different designated area where they could potentially put another 20 people. And, uh, oh, yeah. and yep. they've got their big Carlton draft tanks hanging from the ceiling. I'm trying to remember. So one of the pubs that's shut... This week, and it looks permanently, unfortunately, is the Metropolitan on William Street, where most people have, in Melbourne have probably ducked in for a beer or two along the way. Um, I don't know that they had tanks, but they had a beautiful copper bar system in yeah, that place. Yeah, I can't remember if they had a tank or not. The only reason, they certainly had a whole lot of very nice copper fittings. I don't think they did. Um, am I correct in thinking that the Metropolitan was where the Celtic Club moved into? No, different metropolitans. Ah, there you Fair go. Fair question. That metropolitan, frankly, without, uh, without being expert on it, would have made a bit more sense because it was geographically much closer. And that's, to, what I was, that's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. yeah because, it would have been six, 700 metres as the crow flies. Yeah, and they've called the, the Celtic Club is kaput as well. So I've, I, that's, mm. you know, my geological bearings didn't do me any yeah. good that time around. But they'd moved to the... Uh, Metropolitan, which is in uh, near the Royal Melbourne Hospital, near the meat market. Ah, uh, yeah, that's if you right. You know that one. Yeah. Yep. So, 
Yes. Um, and there was another pub that was closed down this recently as well. Um, the Dan O'Connell yeah. looks like it's like it's gone. Um, but there's potentially a there's potentially a lot of them out there that I guess today is the day that we start to really find out exactly which places have chosen to open the doors and which ones don't think it's worthwhile. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because we sort of spent our time today looking on Facebook to see what was opening and what wasn't ah, yep. in and around South Melbourne. And there are a couple of pubs that reopened today and then there's others that have listed their reopening from Wednesday and Thursday, Friday sort of. But mm. then there's quite a few that just have gone silent. Just, um, you know, there's no information on it. There's no word. Yep. You drive past them and they're, it's like they're shut up. Um, I, it's interesting. Yeah. I've done the same thing as you'd expect in sort of northwest Melbourne, and there's a few that look going to be sort of up and firing pretty much straight away, and then there's a few that have never been that flashed with their social media. So it's a bit hard to tell whether they're not being flashed with their social media or whether they've got nothing to say. Yes, that's yeah, that's true as well. And then we lost another bar, craft beer place, Fishers in South Melbourne, that's, which I drove that's past today, and that is very much closed up shop. And that's a real. I'm sure that most people who are in Melbourne, at least, and listen to this podcast, have probably ducked it in there at one stage or another. Um, I'm sure Travis, you probably was on your itinerary reasonably often. Yeah, we used to when it first opened, we used to go there a, a bit and had been there quite a few times. Um, it was an interesting place the way it was set up, and I think something will move in there, whether or not it's beer related or something else. Mm. I, I did think when we were talking about this today, I did feel like it was a bit of a shame that it closed up now um, because it was kind of the perfect place to social distance. Absolutely. Like they had it, you know, because it was across three levels, even if they had 10 people on each level, um, there was still plenty of space. So it, yeah, it was quite interesting that that happened in amongst COVID. Yeah. I had a, Excellent night there late last year with all of the staff that I used to work with at McRob Girls High, which where they had their staff send off. And it was one of those balmy, I guess, early December nights. It was sort of my last night out before Christmas party season started at the pub. And, you know, nice warm night sitting on up the top there with a whole lot of nice people enjoying some very nice beers. So fishes will be missed. Hopefully, hopefully something will take its place soon. Yes, yeah. Uh, there's also a pub across the road from Fishers, which looks like it's... Um, oh, is that the Emerald or the Limerick? It's a, Or the one on the other corner? No, no, you're right. It's the Limerick. And it's kind of funny because I often get... Ref I get confused about the Limerick and the Water Rat, which is the next corner mm. down from the Limerick. Um, I always get the Limerick and various other Irish names. You know, is it the Leprechaun or the Emerald or the... <laughs> the top of the morning to your pub. There's a lot of them in South Melbourne, though. There's... The Limerick and the Water Rat and O'Connell's mm. kind of hidden away a bit. I The Limerick used to be a very busy joint, although I will say that the last time I went there was literally on that same day as the um, as I went to Fisher's. And it was four or five o'clock on a, I guess it was a Thursday night, I can't remember now. And we were the only people in there which for a pub that must be able to fit easily two or 300 people. That is pretty common. There were a couple of times before coronavirus, sort of towards the end of last year as well, where we'd go up there for lunch 
on a Friday and you'd be the only per- people sitting outside. It's uh, yeah. Yes, there is. Um, it's an interesting thing around South Melbourne area where there's so many pubs to choose from and there's so many places to go. And even now with them reopening, they can probably stagger their openings and still make, get the same mm. amount of people through the doors sort of thing. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of them didn't open today was, you know, don't go into competition with each other. Let someone have a bit of the glory and then come in on the weekend and take over. Well, I, mean, I think it's going to be sort of interesting. I wasn't at all convinced that we'd be running at a profit you know, for the first two or three weeks while we're limited to 20 people per room. But it was really more about getting out there and re-establishing the brand and reconnecting with people physically than it was, you know, ideas of rivers of gold pouring into the coffers. Mm. Um, we, um, uh, the pub that we went to today to do a quote on, we ended up having lunch there they managed to get us a table. So mm. they can only have obviously 20 people in each section. They've got a downstairs section and an upstairs section. Um, it was, it was full with 20 people, probably a little bit less downstairs than upstairs. It was like they were filling upstairs before yep. downstairs, but about 10 meters downstairs from where we were, there were a group of about six guys having lunch. And I think they were finishing their lunch as we were getting there and sort of measuring stuff up for this quote. Yep. Um, and they were still there when we left drinking beers. So I'm not, I still don't get how the rules work, but the staff there were very much onto it. They were constantly, if they saw an empty glass going over and say, would you like another drink? Cause it's all table service. Mm. I think their idea is get people to drink as much as they can during the one and a half hour window that you can be seated there. And, um, it really, touches on the edges of if doesn't fully transgress, you know, how you should be serving alcohol with an RSA as well. And I think that's the, yes, that's a really difficult issue yep. and a genuine issue. And as I might've said on the podcast before, the other bit about it is you don't want to have to act like a policeman in your own pub and, you know, tell people that they've, you know, that they've got to go now that they've finished the last portion of their moose or, any of those things, mm. but those are the rules and people need to abide by them. And, yeah, that's you it. know, just really got to hope that all patrons are, you know, played by the rules and make life easy for everyone. So in relation to pubs around your area, uh, where the Royal Mail is in, mm. in West Melbourne, were there other venues that were opening today or is sort of, are they kind of hold, holding out until the weekend? Uh, many of them are holding out until later in the week. Um, sort of we thought we'd do it, you know, and have a bit of fun with the fact that it was the first night that people were allowed to do it. And we were fully fully booked, you know, given how many people were allowed to have tonight. So, you know, that idea had paid off. Um, I think those people will come back. I mean, the support from locals and from podcast listeners has been fantastic. So genuinely a big thank you to all of those people who made a real effort to to book in so quickly and, Everyone who I contacted today said, don't worry, we'll come back, you know, whatever day you open and we'll be there. So yep. that's, that's good. That's fantastic and, and, you know, great. But I think the real test will come for all of those places is, you know, what will it be like in a month's time when, you know, everyone's gone out and had their couple of pints and their couple of palmers. 
and the weather's miserable and maybe they don't have as much money in their pocket as they did right now. Yeah, then that's that's going to be sort of the the clincher of the whole thing is everyone's going to race out to go into a pub and have a meal and a drink. And then in four weeks' time, uh, you know, things are going to dip off again and people are probably going to get back to a point of wanting to stay home because of money restrictions or, you know, the fact that they've now done it and they've, you know, who knows? It's um, time will tell. Yeah, and if you can't sort of go and have a few beers and watch the footy, and if that's the right health outcome, that's the right health outcome. I'm not sort of arguing against that. But, you know, if those rules sort of stay in place, you've got to have a meal and then move on, then much of sort of what makes front bar life in a pub, well, I was going to say in the city, really, it's it's anywhere, um, makes that life what it is, won't be there for people. And, you know, they'll they'll go and do other things with their time. Yeah, that, and that's it. Yeah, it's um, and you know, I guess pubs are lucky in the sense that they can, they've got that functionality to serve food, whereas bars and oh, that's they, right, they that's... still have to wait until the rest of the restrictions are lifted, and that could be um, very much decided on what happens with the way pubs work. So, uh, if pubs disobey the rules and we end up with a second yep. wave of this virus, then then bars that are struggling to stay afloat are going to be caught up in that and be less likely to reopen at all. So it's an interesting scenario to, to say. I think that's, that's right. I mean, the, one of the great things about the Royal Mail is just the space that we have, which really does allow us to, to fit those people in, even by pub standards. We're lucky. We can fit a lot of people in. We've got a kitchen that's, you know, we've never shut down. Some of the other pubs in the area haven't run their kitchens, you know, for a few years previously. So none of that's an issue for us. We're pretty lucky. But, you know, as I was saying to someone today, the downside of that, without laying, you know, all the gory details out in public, you know, we spend about 3000 bucks a month on insurance. That hasn't stopped in light of this. So we've been shut for two and a half months. But Lloyds of London, shout out to Lloyds of London if they're listening and feel like sponsoring the podcast to the tune of about 3000 bucks a month, that would be fantastic. Um, you know, all of that money continues to flow out. And for a lot of businesses, and, you know, for mine, sooner or later, you've just got to weigh up, you know, how much you're spending to to cover off those sorts of, of issues. Yeah. Yep. If there's a second wave and you've got to shut. And that's, yeah, that's it. And then, yeah, I guess that, that relates back to other businesses as well, <laughs> not just pubs. It's... um. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to do the math on. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, in, in one sense, we were lucky, you know, no one's lucky that this thing has happened, least of all, you know, the people who are suffering bad health outcomes out of it. But the fact that it sort of happened after Christmas party season means that we did have some money in the coffers. Mm. If we'd have had to shut down in August after going through the dark months of winter, it would have been, and, there, and there'd been sort of no money left in the bank, it would have been an even harder decision to make, I think. Yeah, which is that, and that's, that's just, you're the second person that said that to me in relation to a pub in the last few days. Um, the guy that owns the Bells Hotel in South Melbourne pretty much was mm. saying the exact same thing to me last Thursday that, you know, it, and, you know it's, a, it's a shame and it's dreadful that it happened, but if it had to happen now, it would have been, you know, it's a totally different yep. scenario sort of thing. Um, 
and, and you know that's a pub that hasn't reopened yet um they're they're doing a few renovations and stuff and he's you know he's got the money to do that obviously and um once he does reopen it'll all be social distance but similar to the royal mm. mail the bells is a place that's got multiple different locations um yeah, you know, he. I think he worked out that he can have because you can have twenty people per yep. designated area. So he he worked out that potentially he can still serve, you know, sixty maybe eighty meals, um, mm. in a, in a dinner service or a lunch service because they've got those different spaces and the function spaces and that sort of thing that can sort of be set up differently. And I think he's sort of spending the next week trying to nut all that out and figure it all out. So. I mean, the thing is about that, obviously, enough, whether you can make enough money out of running all of those spaces with the number of staff, because really most pubs make their money out of people coming and sitting in the front and, bar and drinking and having, you know, three or four pints with their mates and watching the footy, not having one pint with a meal that needs to be, you know, served at table service and yeah, then yeah. cleaned in a very particular and lengthy way. Again, not arguing against the rules, but it it makes it very hard to do the maths on whether you're actually breaking even or not. Uh, we, we actually had a discussion over lunch today with one of the staff there and they were saying that they're not, uh, they're not going through the process of putting trays of glasses into the dishwasher uh, throughout the day. They've actually purchased extra glasses over the last little while yep. so that they don't have to do any washing until the very end of the day. And then they're washed in a more, you know, yep. sterilized sort of manner than just running them through the regular pub dishwashers which we're all sort of aware of you know, yeah those those little ones where you put the train and away you go and and that sort of thing so that was quite 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 interesting that you know you're, you're getting a, a new glass every time obviously but it just gets put to the side and dealt with at the end of the day and all these sort of new rules and regulations and stuff that everyone has to abide by it's going to take mm. a bit of time for everyone to get their head around it i think and yeah, no, no, it's an interesting and, and tricky situation and time that we find ourselves in. Mm. Yes. Look, that might just about, I reckon, do me for my little session of therapy tonight. Thank you, Travis, for that's okay talking me through all of this and getting me to a better space than I was at the at the start. Uh, obviously, for people who are listening in, we have not put the audio of the Blackman's meet the brewers session up but that will go up very soon and we're still capable of delivering you some tasting packs to accompany that so message us on facebook or instagram or anywhere else if you'd like to be part of one of those and join us on thursday the i've lost track of the days travis fourth of june yes for our winter warmers session with all sorts of delicious stouts and red ales and um if you happen to be listening to this already and um, it's before that date and you'd like a tasting pack for that, get in touch as well because I seem to have some spare time on my hands to go around delivering uh, beautiful tasting packs. Mm. Um, thank you, Travis. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, board boys and linesmen. We will um, look forward to catching you all back in the cool room, hopefully a cold one, very soon. <laughs>